0: Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige. A podcast about films for people who love films. Five people who love films. I'm Sam. I'm an academic and writer. Um, I've left universities, taught in colleges, and I currently work in a secondary school teaching English. Um, as Rob loves to say, this makes me the clever one. Although I quite readily don't understand how the world slash computers work, as Rob knows. So Rob's the practical one and he knows how to do things. And this has manifested itself in one of his many careers in the film industry. Working on a number of different films of varying budgets and backgrounds.
1: You can say quality. You can say varying quality, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I was trying to be political (laughs) So I I know how things work on paper And he knows how things work in practice And we have a look at a different film each week We've had a look at directors and series And this season we are, are taking something of a world we're currently working our way through Latin America. Um, and we end each episode after talking about various themes and ideas that get thrown up by that film with some suggestions for further reading, if you like, further watching other films similar to the film of the week. And we start by talking about what else we've been watching. So, Rob. What have you been consuming media-wise?
1: Well, it has been spooky season until now. It has been the Halloween season. Um, so I have been watching the latest Netflix Halloween series, Midnight Mass. This is the latest series from Mike Flanagan, who did I think, The House, Haunting of Hill House and yes. Bly Manor, which is two previous ones, which I haven't seen. I must say this was my first into his uh, sort of ongoing series, and it was just brilliant.
0: Haunting in Your House is, is very good. The, this Midnight Mass is on my list to watch. I won't
1: spoil it in that case, um, but suffice to say, it isn't going where you think it is, even when you think you've worked it out. Yeah. It is... It was scary, and it was intense, and it was beautiful, and it was, it was a really, really powerful bit of... TV making, which sounds a lot for a sort of Netflix horror show but it really, really was quite something Um, and I would hardly recommend it to anybody even though we are now in in the festive season it's still time guys to watch a 8 part horror show (laughs) What about you Sam?
0: Um, Similarly Netflix based, although not quite so high-row as Midnight Mass, I think Um, it's the Thing think everyone's been talking about Squid Game Which I didn't want to watch Because everyone was talking about it And then I did And it's very enjoyable It's, I suppose um, Right for spooky season um, My wife, who is not Particularly enamoured of Gory and violent things not particularly in Amadov I mean she won't touch her with a barge well. um, Would not last 30 seconds Of the first episode of Squeaker. Um It's Incredibly violent And gory And dark And it's Like 1984 on steroids And It's just a bit of fun So whereas I get The feeling from the other work of the director, Olivia House and Blind Man, the Midnight Mass is going to be quite cerebral and clever, and uh, there is nothing really that clever about a Sweet Game. It's just quite slick and nice to watch.
1: Excellent. I have. I must say, I haven't seen it myself yet, and it's uh It's like you. I'm kind of reticent to watch it. It feels so. It's so, so big. At this point in time. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm sure I will get to it at some point. Or I won't. There are so many, like, zeitgeist shows I've never seen. Like yeah. Tiger King, that's coming back season two.
0: Never seen it. See, I, I thought everyone's raving about Tiger King. They must, I must have missed something. No, I haven't. It's just documentary about a guy who owns a zoo. And I watched the first episode, and I thought, this is dull. I can't be able to watch any <laughs> so this is my review of diving watch one episode got bored gave up
1: top notch top notch as sam says we are currently in our fifth season and we are doing a world tour in which we started down in the bottom tip of south america and we are working our way all the way around the world trying to look at oh well, we can't do every country in the world each week a different country and a movie from that country um and this week we are watching we have been watching the the 2005 Peruvian film Madinusa <laughs> Madanusa spelt made in USA is the tale of the titular Madnusa, who is a 14 I believe 14 year old girl in a small village in the Peruvian Andes over the course of three days. These are the three days from Good Friday to Easter Sunday in which the town has developed a ritual a belief of some sort that in these three days in which Jesus was dead that god is dead and he can't see you and thus all is permitted there is no such a thing as sin anything can happen in these three days there are rituals around that it isn't sometimes maybe what we think of it the, the, the premise there doesn't cover everything that happens into this heavy mix arrives salvatore salvador salvador who is a photographer and geologist who gets caught up in this town at this time for this festival and it's the interplay between her and him and her father, who is intending to take care of virginity at this festival her sister and the rituals of this town. I'm sure we'll get into spoilers as we go forwards guys, um, but Sam, how did you find this film? How was this I suppose exploration of this fictional town, this fictional festival, and all these people?
0: I think sometimes, particularly on this season, um, we sort of uncover a film that we might not have watched, and it's really growing on me as, for instance, The accused, I admit, would never have thought of watching that. And it just, it, it, to some extent, I'm mean, not didn't didn once it blew me away but it's something that has stuck with me and I've, I've thought about it since and um, as well as that we've we've looked at sort of big almost blockbusters like City of God and um, the thing with this film is I just it didn't really grab me um you certainly wouldn't call it a, a big blockbuster type no god thing um yet it didn't on the other hand feel very much like an undiscovered gem um you you've talked before about not really having time anymore for films about bad people doing bad things um and i do have more time for it, as you know with my um Love of films like 21 Grams of Babel But it, it, on I didn't feel like this was the, I didn't particularly like the characters involved And I didn't think this was A particularly well made film Either So I I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get on board with a film That's about Terrible people doing terrible things As long as it looks beautiful Like Babel but in this case, it just didn't didn't grab me as a spectacle. As, I mean, it didn't grab me. Grab the characters didn't grab me either. Um, so yeah, I just found it a bit off-putting, <clears throat> and I I get the feeling that the the stuff about sexual abuse in other films and films i to talk about later is. Um, sort of in the way that you think. Well, yes, this is terrible. I don't particularly want to experience this at all, but I'm going to have to watch it because I know that this happens. Mm. And I just, it, it just felt a bit outlandish, a bit horrible, a bit. Okay, maybe it does happen, but I just didn't get on board with it at all. How about you?
1: I think I was slightly more positive on than you were, um, but I fully accept all of the comments you're making. I think... I'm going to talk emotional first, then practical second. I think that's how I approach them. I think the film is... I think the film works well to establish the emotions and the... the nihilistic hopelessness of their lives mm. um, especially in the two daughters who both experience that same existence and have kind of chosen different paths to deal with it one being quite a very hateful experience in which she kind of really hates sister the other one being much more of a dreamer escapist um, approach and I kind of I got on board with the two of them and I got on board with their journey I think the film Lacks a little bit of the emotional punch. I don't know. Once again, we have often said, you know, we are two guys from Middle England watching these films about very distant cultures that we are not part of, and there may be parts of this movie that we're just not seeing. Mm. Um, but a lot of it, I felt, was a bit extraneous, and I think the film ran for about a hundred minutes, and I think there's probably a much snappier eighty-five minute movie in here. Mm. And I think it could have done with possibly speeding up the opening and possibly slowing down the ending. Um, somewhere between those two. That's the practical, I suppose. I would refute your idea that it wasn't beautiful. I think the one thing that really won me over in the film was the look of this movie. I mean, yes, it's not something like... It's not beautiful and slow in the same way something like Lost in Translation is, and all that kind of beauty. Or even the overtopness of something like Blade Runner. I think that the film had a real, a real texture to it, and the film felt very, very much like it was taking place in this time, in this place, and mm. like little shots of when the sister, Charlie, um, Charlie, was mm. cooking and making some food, and it really felt like these were their lives, and little touches like her story about her shoes, and little touches like the. the, the all the gifts in the upstairs over the mayor's house, um, and I think the film did a lot of work in that whole show don't tell thing, and it just you just had to go along with it. I think it was let down a little bit by the um, actor playing Salvador. He was a bit too bland for me. Um, mm. I think he his reaction basically, which was to try and sleep the teenager and not express utter shock and emotion at what's going on in this town I think I think for me ultimately it fell somewhere between a realistic kitchen sink drama and a much more I don't know classical Greek tragedy like the, the characterizations were like it looked very much like a you know a documentary style in depth like, even like City of God style gritty movie but so many of the reactions were kabuki style or they were, you know, morality play style or that kind of thing. It, it was all very over the top and none of the characters felt like real people. Yeah. And I think it, this may be a thing where it, this is part of Peruvian culture that we're not seeing. But for me particularly, it felt like they could have picked one or t'other. Like there, there was, They could have gone down the very over the top caricatured style they were going for with some stuff. Or they could have gone down the really quite brutal harshness of the reality of the look of it. But by choosing neither, it felt s- strange. I mean, the, th- the closest analogy I can give to it is something like an anime movie. Now, I don't know if Sam's seen a lot of anime. Um, I, no. I haven't seen it a lot of either. I've seen some of the big ones, Akira, Ghost in the Shell, that kind of stuff. Um, And often with those, for me particularly, I have a disconnect with them because of the style, the characterizations of the characters. That anime style, which is very hyperactive, very almost silly at times, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, is not one that I deal with personally, and that's fine. And I think that had the same thing here, which like I just didn't get on with what they were trying to do with the characters. Even though I like the premise of the movie and the idea, I, I did like the look of the movie. I think the the way the character presented kept me at arm's length. And particularly, I mean, we're going to get into spoilers but the ending, the ending in which Magnusa returns to her home, kills her father, and with her sister, turns on Salvador and then escapes. like That felt like a real femme fatale moment. very Almost film noir-ish in which our hero is betrayed. But I just didn't get any emotion from that. Other, no. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. It was I suppose I'm thinking more positive positively about the film. Everything that you've been saying and also that I was struck with was this watching this film can be a very dislocating experience. And on the positive side, that's exactly what happens to Salvador when he comes into this town. And that's that I can see that being exactly what the director wants to convey to you, and that was that was really well done. I think and some films, films like City of God, sort of immerse you in the experience and make you feel like you're there and feel like you're living things going on. And this is, I mean, it's giving you the the experience in in a very different way. It's giving the experience through understanding the dislocation that he might feel this is such a strange experience so i did think that that was particularly well done, and i did like the
1: movie the movie really worked and really it not worked hard but also was successful in circumventing the white savior myth mm. it's a yeah. it's, it's a thing we see in a lot of Media all over the world of the it's the blind side it's Sandra Bullock going to find the poor black kid and pulling him out of his black neighborhood and taking him to the NFL it's that idea that the the, the white person can come into the indigenous community and save them save them from themselves yeah. save them yeah. from inherent problems there and this film like it sets that up it says this is this is an indigenous community and I think who, who have developed this ritual that we can all say is a bad thing. Um, you know, if it's resulting in the mayor trying to sleep with his teenage daughter, it's a bad thing. And the film sets up Salvador, he's literally called that sal- as in Salvation, the, sal- the Salvador. He is supposed to be the one to come in and save these people from their degenerate nature, and th- he doesn't. <laughs> they or basically the girls absolutely rout him and set him yeah. up, and the, f- the female agency in those two girls who have been fighting and snapping each other the entire movie, who come together to reject the idea that another man's going to save them. Like, the film really does nail that third act twist. He isn't the saviour. He isn't going to get this sweet, innocent girl out of this terrible situation she's caught in when she's the one who killed her. We've talked around it a little bit, but in this Days without sin, like the worst thing we really see is someone stealing a pig. Um, yeah. And like it's just a generally that there are rituals with cutting off ties and, that, and there are rituals to it, but it isn't like the purge.
0: No.
1: Um, and so, like Mad murder at the end, and it is murder, and she does in theory murder him after the three days are up, which is another thing we don't, well, which is a interesting tidbit. Like to set the Salvador up for that crime is is her agency, and the film just, just absolutely you know blows that idea of the white savior out of the water.
0: Yeah, and it is like it's her response to you. You can see sort of her father buying into everyone buying into this idea of it being without sin and. And he he rapes his fourteen year old daughter, and you see Salvador witnessing that. But and so so he's a terrible man, and he does get his comeuppance at the end. But you you see this is sort of her response to all of that, and you see that she is. Kind of like she's presenting herself as a modern Peruvian woman because she's, like you said, she commits this act of murder outside of the outside of holy times, so she's rejecting this idea that this is how she should lead her life. And she's saying, You know what, I'm going to take agency and I'm going to kill him, and I'm, I'm not going to take this, this white savior, this gringo savior, um, to. Pull me out of my terrible life, and I'm going to make something of myself. Make something of my own life. And um, you're you're actually persuading me that this film is quite good.
1: <laughs> that isn't so, what I'm going to say. I, I think the film. <laughs> I don't think the film lands entirely. I think the film's doing interesting no. things, and I think the film's working at doing interesting things. Um, but I do. I, I wouldn't say that it absolutely nails that landing um so I, no. I i'm not trying to convince you it's a good film but uh yeah I, I do think there's there's something to it there and i think that as you say we are we are salvador in this we are going into a world we don't understand and mm. we come with expectations that we're going to judge that world well a little bit you know we, we look at city of god especially from last week and we are we are the tourists in that town looking at how horrible it is and going oh isn't that horrible Whereas this, we are the film sets us up as being tricked. We are complicit as much as Salvador in this, is that we think we're getting one movie and we have the rug pulled from under us. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And her her name is is interesting as well because it's, <laughs> I suppose it's a fairly obvious sort of play on words that her name is Magnusa, and then. Halfway through, you get her saying, "Well, why is my name written on your clothes?" And he's like, "Well, that's not a name. That's made in USA." And she, and her response is interesting because she says, "Well, no, it is my name. That's a name." And you think, "Well, why shouldn't it be a name? Anything is a name, and whatever someone thinks their name is, it belongs to them." And it's that that was an interesting moment because you felt sort of the. There's sort, of, sort of haughtiness. That was the moment that you get these sort of, like you said, the white savior narrative starting with sort of this patronizing attitude to the indigenous people that you can't understand what you're doing. Of course, that's not your name because mm. this is a label that belongs to white society. And so that was, I suppose, the beginning of the end of him.
1: I think, I mean, I'm sure if you listened to the last episode, we called it Made in USA as we said we were going to watch the movie. Um, so mm. that is that But I, I think I do like the fact the film didn't explain that. In the same way the film didn't yeah. explain what happens to um, her mother. The film just didn't, just this is, the, this is what's going on. The film took no effort to explain these things. Or explain how the um, ritual came to be. or like, The film didn't try and go, here's a load of backstory and lore for all this. it just, this is it this is this is why it felt mm. a bit more like a, a play to me, like that kind of presented play, because like there was not the back this, this is it, and the yeah. characters don't exist outside of what you see
0: It feels I mean, in in that respect, although I agree it doesn't land in several ways, in that respect it felt it felt like a Ben Wheatley play a got movie got me, it felt like a Ben Wheatley film, Mm. This like almost like weirdly dislocating experience of what what was the what was the civil war black and white one? it Fielding Fielding England? England, yeah, yes, it, it felt there were times where it felt like that, and mm. um, certainly in the in the sequence in, in the forest towards the end, it was very dislocating experience watching. It It
1: had that sense of creeping dread, I suppose, that uh, you get yes. these things. Yeah. Do you have some recommendations for us?
0: I do. um one is I've entered as already that i'm I would like to talk about it. sort of I feel is it is a better done presentation of um, the experience of the aftermath of being abused um, and also has elements of religion in it as well, and it's the Pedro Modova film. Armandova film and um, La Maleducación which is quite difficult to find because if you google Bad Education you're just going to get a sitcom with Jack Whitehall in it and um, the original Bad Education the Spanish title La Maleducación is from 2004 and my second one is not I suppose not, not even the thematic one sort of Connected that experience of Salvador I see Comes to the town and feels like an outsider It just felt like there were Nods to the western at that point And I suppose the the high watermark of that genre Would be High Noon from 1952 So those are my two Two very different films from over 50 years apart
1: How about you? I've also got two to bring. Um, one I've mentioned already here in passing, but I kind of want to talk about. I think there is a a thematic link, even this wild genre swing. Uh, that is the Purge trilogy. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about it previously on this show, but I always try and watch a franchise for Halloween, and I watched all of the Purge films this year. Um, so I think there are five, five Purge films, all the way from The Purge, all the way through to The Forever Purge. Um, and obviously it's not hard to see the link between a period without sin and a period without laws. These films are overall pretty good, as I would say. I think the first one's the weakest of the, of the whole franchise, which is a rare thing to say, but they are very fun um, and certainly maintain that quality throughout. The second recommendation is much more epic. You brought up Field um, in England and Ben Wheatley and that idea of kind of like Folk horror I suppose. We haven't talked too much about the horror elements. Of this, of this movie. But it does have this feeling of dread throughout. That something bad is going on. Um, and so I wanted to recommend. The original 73 version. Of the Wicker Man. Um, this also is about. a outsider coming into a remote community. And thinking he can impose. His morals his values on that community. And ultimately. Coming a cropper from that. It is. Obviously, brilliant is a brilliant and well-known film. Don't see the remake. Um, I won't see any more because if you haven't seen it, I think it's worth going in as blind as it can be. Um, but yeah, The Wicker Man from
0: '73. Great. We will be back again next time, and our next film, moving up in Latin America, is the Colombian comedy from '2010, El Paseo. Until then, you can find us both on Twitter at Prestige Podcast.
1: You can find just me at Kyger FM.
0: Or you can email me at PrestigeFilmPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys back here in two weeks time.